The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So we are beginning today the first of three weeks in uh, a prayer that Jesus prayed. And it's, again, the continuation of this series in John uh, called God in the Neighborhood, where God became flesh. As it says in one translation, he moved into the neighborhood. And so for me, it's been just a wonderful time of just being reminded that God meets us where we're at. It doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, or where, uh, um, where we are in our lives, that God has met us where we're at so that we can have a relationship with him. So um, let's read these together, these verses. After Jesus said this, and that's referring back to the verses that Daniel uh, preached on last week, and and just a little review, a a phrase that... that, uh, Daniel repeated over and over last week that has really stuck with me and I think has really helped me to just remember the relationship, this incredible relationship we have with God. It's that everything that God had, he gave to the Son. Everything that the Son had, he gave to the Spirit. And everything that the Spirit had, he gave to us. And so what God has invited us into is this incredible uh, incredible rhythm is word he used of relationship with God the Father Son and Holy Spirit Uh, kind of referred to it as a divine dance and I was going to illustrate it this morning but I know you'd get a really distorted view of God if I tried to dance so we won't do that but so after Jesus said this he looked toward heaven and he prayed And the rest of the chapter is his prayer. We're just looking at the first five verses. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you are here this morning and you are not experiencing life, that's the answer right there. This is eternal life. To know God, to know the Father, to know the Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Let's just pray again. Father, uh, you know how inadequate uh, I feel to even communicate your truth. The truth in these words, your word, your words that you have given to us. Father, I pray that um, 
as we've learned the last couple of weeks, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning and would reveal to us Jesus, would reveal to us what you want us to learn from these truths in order to know you, in order to know life. Thank you. Amen. Okay, I want you to enjoy listening for a couple of minutes. I had I had fun uh, reading these. These are Dear God prayers from kids. Okay? Dear God, I went to this wedding and they were kissing right there in church. Is that okay? Keep that in mind, okay? Dear God, thank you for the baby brother but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) Dear God, I love Christmas and Easter. Could you please put another holiday in the middle? There's nothing good there right now. That's with apologies to Valentine's Day that we just had, okay? Dear God, are you actually invisible or is that just a trick? Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up but without so much hair all over. (laughs) Dear God, is it true my father won't get in heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? (laughs) Must have been something they overheard their mother saying to their dad. Dear God, did you mean for giraffes to look like that? Or was it an accident? (laughs) Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they each had their own rooms. (laughs) It works out okay with me and my brother. Dear God, I heard the moon was made of cheese. Tonight, half of it is missing. Did you get hungry? Dear God, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm really having a good time like I am. (laughs) Please don't make that your prayer, okay? Two more. Dear God, I say your prayer every night. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us some email. But I never get an email from you. Do you have my right address? If you don't know that prayer, that's not exactly how it goes. Dear God, I don't think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know that I'm not just saying that because you are God already. Don't you wish uh, that our prayer lives could be that simple and intimate. I mean, as funny as they are, they just reveal the simplicity and intimacy that uh, children can have in a relationship with God. Can you remember back, maybe before we can easily complicate prayer, to your first attempts at prayer? Something like, um, you know, Maybe you prayed this when you were with your parents. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, my brother can have my piece of cake. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't your prayer. Um, 
God is great. God is cool. Now I thank him for my gruel. You know, prayer is an interesting thing. I've done a lot of thinking about myself in prayer and and how we pray. It's meant to be something intimate. And yet, isn't it amazing how intimidated we can be by prayer? Um, Especially when we're thinking about praying with other people. And when we do it, often prayer becomes really nothing more than a quick laundry list of things that we want God to do for us? Does that resonate at all? Um, this, it might go something like this. And uh, in a lot of prayer meetings I've been at and people giving their requests, I think often this is what we boil prayer down to. God, make everyone healthy. Give everyone jobs. Sunny weather for our picnic would be awesome. And, uh, and I still really need a better car. And while you're at it, there is, you know, this girl that I'd love for you to have her pay more attention to me. Often, isn't that how we, we treat prayer? I think our secret hope is that prayer be like a, a slot machine. <clears throat> you know, we just put a little bit of effort into it and we get tons a blessing out. <clears throat> Where in reality, how we see prayer is more like a vending machine. You know, they're really expensive. You've got to put lots into it. And sometimes you have to kick them to get anything out. Um, I think the reality is, as I think about myself and, and so many prayer times I've been a part of, is that our prayer praying often doesn't this is a hard statement maybe, our praying often doesn't begin and end with God. It's really about us and what we want. It's not often really about him. And so what we end up with is nothing like we see in John 17. That's why the verses we're going to look at are so incredible because often then what we end up with, and I'm going to end my sermon with this statement, often what we end up with is what we ask for or disappointed because we don't get what we ask for, but what we miss out on through such kind of praying is what we really need, and that's God. What we really end up missing out on is God himself. So John 17 um, is beautiful. Next week, Daniel's going to look at verses 6 to 19 and Jesus praying for his disciples. The following week, I'm going to preach on as through his disciples, the rest of us have heard the good news of Jesus. And so Jesus prays for us. But what we're going to look at this morning in preparation for that is is kind of the, the beginning or the heart of what needs, what praying really needs to be at, about if we're going to pray in a way that really impacts. We're not coming to that quite yet. Thank you for being on top of it. (laughs) So the big question I want you to be thinking about this morning is what is the ultimate point in praying? Why pray? What is the ultimate point in praying? And the big idea is going to be the glory of God is why we pray. Okay? In fact, it's because of the glory of God we exist, but 
think of, begin to think about that. The glory of God is why we pray. And probably what's going through a lot of our minds right now is, I never even really thought about the glory of God when I was praying. But that's the point of praying. Now, as we come to the setting here, um, notice it says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. So what we see is Jesus not teaching us how to pray here. And that's what we see with the Lord's Prayer. It said Jesus, in in order to show his disciples how to pray, he prayed um, the Lord's Prayer, which just totally slipped my mind right now. But anyway, the... uh, Jesus isn't teaching his disciples how to pray. He's just praying. And it's kind of a glimpse into his intimate conversation with the Father. Father. Uh, It's kind of like the door is open and we get an opportunity just to see Jesus in intimate conversation with the Father. And then he says, the hour has come. And this is a common phrase we see. Uh, Look at Mark 14, 41. It says, Jesus came the third time to them when he was in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And he said, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Which can be a common thing that happens in prayer meetings. And then Jesus says, it's enough. The hour has come. You know, another way we can almost translate this is it's time. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So when Jesus says the hour has come, he means it's the time when he's ready to be betrayed. John 12, 23, Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Similar wording to chapter 17. And to be glorified by being betrayed and, and turned over in order to be put to death. John 12, 27, Jesus says, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. It's why he came. Um, And then John 16, 32, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you, he's speaking to his disciples, will be scattered each to their own home. They'll abandon him. Peter denied him. I don't know him. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. And so coming back to John 17, the setting, it's like we get this close-up, intimate conversation with Jesus as he's about ready to be betrayed, uh, be put on the cross, um, and go through what he did in order that we might have eternal life. What I want us to see is, you know, coming back to the big idea that the point, the big idea that the glory of God is what we pray. I mean, it's obvious here. You know, so these are five short verses and five times in these verses we see the word glory or glorify. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Verse four, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And then Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. God's glory, uh, just to review really quickly, is this what dominates our praying? <laughs> kind of like what we see here is Jesus begins this, this conversation with the Father. Is God's glory what dominates 
your praying. Um, and what do we mean by this? If I were to summarize God's glory, it's just, it's, it's who he is. It's his goodness, it's his kindness, it's his righteousness, his holiness, his, it's his patience and his anger, his jealousy, his faithfulness. It's, it's this revelation of his mercy and justice. God's glory is, he's glorious. It's, it's, who he, it's a revelation of his character, of his being. It's kind of like if I were to, um, if you and I were talking together and and this gal that we're familiar with, that she has an anger problem and she goes off on you. And, and I'd say, yep, there she is in all her glory. <laughs> it's like, that's her. And that's what glory is to God. It's, it's who he is and all of his attributes and all of his character. So to glorify God is to acknowledge and praise him for who he is. To participate in his glory is to participate in his person that everything that the father has, he gives to the son and everything that the son has, he gives to the spirit and everything that the spirit spirit has, he gives to us. It's this incredible divine dance, this rhythm of relationship, this privilege we have to participate in God's glory. And that's the heart of what he intends praying to be this incredible opportunity that when we come to him, we come to be a part of this incredible relationship, who he is that he offers to us. So as we come to these verses, we're going to look at four things and really answer the question. If you're taking notes, which I'm not very good at often helping you do, the question is, what does God's glory really have to do with praying? And that's what we're going to see four things. The first thing I want you to see is that God's glory was Jesus' eternal existence. Notice verse 5. God's glory was Jesus' eternal. It's it's what he always experienced. Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. With the glory... And the point I want you to get here, though, I want us to get in, is that remembering God's glory should be at the heart of our existing, but at the heart of our praying. Remembering God's glory should be at the heart of our praying. I think right here in this verse, it's like Jesus, if we could just be a part part of his thinking. It's like Jesus is remembering way back, back into eternity, just the incredible rhythm of relationship that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have always had together. It's like Jesus is, Father, I remember. (laughs) And going back to what Daniel said, I, I remember just the unhindered communication we have. Just, I remember the times of, of intimacy. I, I remember the times of just that we've expressed our love to one another. It's like Jesus is just remembering back the glory that for eternity he participated in with the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
In Acts 17, 28, it says, in him we live and move and have our being. That we live and we pray. Our praying should be remembering. Remembering and reveling in who he is and, and thanking him and praising him. How much is thanking and praising and remembering and reveling in who God is a part of our our prayer lives. And doesn't that sound a lot better than just rushing in and asking for a few things and checking out? Uh, I think the first thing that God's glory has to do with praying is that it's remembering that God's glory is at the heart of our praying. Uh, The second thing it's the beginning of that verse, is that God's glorious presence is what Jesus anticipated returning to. Notice, Jesus says, Father, glorify me in your presence. And he's anticipating returning to the presence of the Father in heaven. Glorify me in your presence, meaning with the same glory that I've had with you from eternity past. Father, I anticipate that same glory that we're going to share again unhindered together and so the point is for us anticipating God's glorious presence in the same way as we pray longing to be with him not not just remembering who he is and reveling in who he is but but our praying be an anticipation and a longing for when we'll be with him and so it's you know, kind of like, um, kind of like what you feel on Monday morning. Like, oh, can't wait till Friday, right? Come on, be honest. I had, I heard one of my employees two days ago saying, "TGIF." Thank God it's fruit. No, that's not what he meant. Thank God it's Friday. It's like you got to be kidding. Working for me is like every day is Monday or Friday or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. That, that was a Freudian slip. Okay. <laughs> um, it's like uh, in three weeks, vacation. And as we come to prayer, just that longing, kind of like Second Timothy 4.8, where Paul writes, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. When you come into his presence, is, is it not just remembering and reveling, but it's also longing? Um, or is it just a quick end and we get what we want? And as a result, we cheat ourselves. We cheat ourselves of participating in his glory the rhythm of being in the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a great, great old hymn that says, when all my labors and trials are o'er and I am safe on that beautiful shore just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me. And it's that longing, oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory, be glory for me. Is that our longing? Or it's just like, God, I need this. And we miss out 
on the glory. The third thing on what God's glory has to do with praying. Notice he says, verse four, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And I, number three is that God's glory is why Jesus did what he did and why he prayed the way he prayed. It, God's glory had everything. He said, because he says, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What was his work? Go back to verse two. It's, it's incredible. You granted him authority. Jesus speaking about the father granting him authority over all people that Jesus might give eternal life to all of those that the father has given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent by finishing the work you gave me to do. You know, if we were to look at this just from a human standpoint, we could say, man, where's the glory? The glory in the incarnation, we could look at that and say, where's the glory that the creator God of the universe confined himself to a human body? That doesn't seem very glorious for him, but for us, incredible. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And as a result, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Because he came, we are able to see the glory of God. The glory of God in his incarnation, the glory of God in his humiliation. There's a wonderful old hymn that says, in the cross of Christ, I glory. I mean, it's such an ugly scene, right? The agony, I mean, the brutality, the torture, and his death as he hung there and said, it is finished. And he, and he gave up his last breath, but it's in that cross of Christ, we glory him finishing the work that he came to do. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. So there's glory in his incarnation, in his humiliation. There's glory in the resurrection. There's a, a hymn that's called Resurrection Glory that says, oh, the glorious resurrection, blessed hope for you and me. And then ultimately, there's glory in his exaltation. So the whole thing from his incarnation to the humiliation on the cross to his resurrection and then his exaltation back to the Father. In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, these are familiar words, but listen to them. They're great. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage Rather, he made himself nothing. This is the incarnation. He took the very nature of a servant. He became made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's the humiliation. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, and because of that work that he completed, we can participate in his glory. In his glory. Is that not what should also permeate our living and praying, desiring that in everything we do and in everything we pray for, it would be not just to get what we want, but for his glory? The last thing, and we kind of go back to the beginning of these verses, number four, is that God's glory is really what consumed Jesus every moment of the day as he lived and whenever he prayed. As Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. He just says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Second Corinthians 4, 4 to 6, these are great verses. Uh, as Paul says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. That is just an incredible phrase. The gospel is about the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. For we proclaim, what we proclaim isn't ourselves, but it's Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God in Genesis 1 who said, let light shine out of darkness, has in the same way through his Holy Spirit miraculously shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And that's this divine dance. That's the rhythm of relationship. The Father giving to the Son, giving to the Spirit, and then the Spirit pouring that out into our hearts so that we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. You are exactly what I need in order that my relationship with the God of the universe might be restored and I can be a part of your glory. And so the point is just reviewing it's God's glory. It's it's remembering as we come in prayer, it's remembering God's glory, who he is. It's anticipating and longing for the day when we'll just fully participate in his glory. It's, it's desiring that that would be a part of everything we do, his glory. And then here, it's the realization that we do participate fully in his glory. And we can do that as we pray. We pray in Jesus' name, in rhythm with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit want and, and pour out to us. So in the same way as we pray and we live, we can pour out his glory to others so that in the same way they can be a part of this divine dance, this experiencing God's glory. And as a result, we know how to pray because we're living right in rhythm with God. So just to conclude, what do we do? Um, I just, four things that I want you to just think about 
in thinking about just this incredible privilege we have as we come to God in prayer to be immersed and a part of his glory. Number one, quit treating prayer as a request list and begin treating prayer as a relationship with God. We need to quit thinking of prayer as just this bucket list of what we want and begin to see prayer as this, it is a relationship with God. Number two, when we begin our prayer times, begin by appreciating and acknowledging who God is and just not diving in and asking for things. Appreciating and acknowledging who he is, his his goodness, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his justice. Number three, that our praying would be permeated by listening and not talking. And I think for some of us, that's all, maybe even like new news that, I mean, let's be honest, it's hard to have a relationship with somebody if all they're doing is talking and we don't get to talk, right? Or you're doing all the talking and they don't that our praying would be permeated by listening and not just talking. And finally, that our praying would be pursuing God and what he wants and not what we want. It's just this pursuit of God, desiring him, remembering him, longing for him, participating with him. Why is this important? This is what I want to leave you with. If God's glory is not at the heart of our praying, we may find that we get what we ask for, but we miss out on what we really need, and that's God. We might give God our bucket lists, and we might get them, but praying is really about getting God and knowing Him and and reveling in Him and participating with Him in this glory of who he is. Let's pray. Oh God, you are good. You are beautiful. You are God. There is no one like you. God, forgive us for treating this incredible opportunity that we have to come into your presence and to talk with you and and to hear your heart and to listen to you and to revel in you and turning it into like you're a vending machine instead of the God of the universe that we have this awesome privilege to know and to love and to be in rhythm with. Oh God, help us to just come, to be in your presence, to be excited, to share in your glory for our good. Thank you. Amen.